0: So uh, I'm here with Sean McAdoo uh, of The Athletic, and um, Sean, the one thing that I noticed about the All-Star Game coverage is uh, I actually didn't know that the NHL had Green Day signed for a two-year contract, and I think that's probably my favorite part about the All-Star Game, because it's very, you know, NHL to say, look, you know what? We have an elite opportunity to have a band that has not been relevant since 2008. We have to lock them up for two years. So... Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, what was your favorite part of the All Star game?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I would say Green Day probably ranked right up there. This is, it's, it's, it's the NHL, man. If uh, somebody was really good many years ago, then you got to lock them in long term and uh, probably, probably gave them a no trade and yeah. no movement and all that stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Like, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've been crapping on the All Star weekend for, for so long now that, like, I, I feel like the bar is set low enough that, it is what it is. Uh, you, you know, the the skills competition is going to be fun. Probably too complicated. Probably have a bunch of stuff that doesn't work, uh, but will create a few moments that that'll at least be enjoyable. And then the All Star Games themselves will. Uh, Probably not be very good because the players have at some point decided that it's uncool to actually try yes. <laughs> uh, to to make any sort of effort at all. And I'm not talking; nobody thinks these guys are going to fight or block shots or throw body checks. But you know, just waving a stick in the passing lane is is too much to ask, and that you know it, it's it, that ruins it because hockey is of all the sports, it's the absolute worst one to watch at half speed. Uh, and, and you got all the skill out there, but even, even when the skill does something, it, it, it isn't, it doesn't look cool because everybody around is just going half speed and obviously not trying. And, yeah. and, you know, hockey is just the sort of sport you have to, like, you got to beat somebody to make it look good. And if nobody's trying and nobody cares, if they get beat, then it's, it's not fun. So, I mean, I thought Friday night was, was up and down. Uh, I thought that the last, like the, the the, the the sort of dude perfect thing that they tried at the end didn't really work, but I feel like it has enough potential that I hope they bring it back and, and tweak it because it 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 had it has some possibilities. Uh the women's three on three was fun. The you know the hardest shot is is always a classic. So I you know, I I give Friday kind of a B, and then the All-Star games themselves were pretty much what we expected, which is not very good with occasional gusts to vaguely watchable
0: yeah you know and I think that I think that with hockey in particular it's not like you know maybe with baseball or basketball you know with those played at like half speed you know it's a little more watchable I think with hockey you know if you're playing hockey at half speed it's just like like it's just like you you get kind of dreck you know even the occasional glimpses of skill it's just hard hard for it to shine through so uh that being said we're going to talk about something that's much more exciting uh when we get the show started so uh let's do that The Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions! It's not a dream, it's not a desert barrage, it's Lord Stanley and he is coming to Washington! Welcome back to Jay Prismic Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young, and uh, I'm happy to be joined today by uh, Sean McAdoo, The Athletic, uh, the famous Down Goes Brown on Twitter. So, uh, Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah, doing good. Awesome. Um, Okay. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, of course, of course. Um, So you know originally I had a whole list of you know things and I had a perfect order of everything then you know Alex Ovechkin went and scored you know eight goals in three games and uh, so I think we have to talk about him first so I asked to be true about this and I'm kind of curious to hear your perspective on it too um obviously you grew up watching Gretzky so kind of what is what is it like at this point to see someone get, you know, potentially make a serious run at a record that we thought was unbreakable? And would you at this point say that Alex Ovechkin is the best goal scorer in NHL history?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cool to see because it, that, the, that Gretzky record felt like it was out of reach. Certainly once he hit the mid-90s and we ran into the dead puck era and the numbers were all changed and different and it became clear that... The NHL had no idea what to do about that, and 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 no intention of of making any sort of changes that would get us back to the the offensive levels. In the Gretzky times, it it felt like the record was out of reach because Wayne Gretzky was a a an absolutely amazingly skilled player who also happened to play in an era that was perfectly tailored to offensive skill uh, in in not only just how the game was played and how it was called. Uh, but the skill level that he was facing—I mean, the the level of goaltending and the level of defense back then—I mean, the butterfly I, I grew- wasn't a thing yet, right? <laughs> it, it was. I mean, yeah. yeah it, it it you you go and watch Wayne Gretzky highlights, and and again, like I, I grew up watching this guy and and loving him and hating him at the same time because he was so good. Mm-hmm. Uh but I mean, you go back and watch Wayne Gretzky picks the puck up at center ice. He circles back. He goes through the neutral zone with nobody even. Getting near him, he cuts over the blue line. The defense backpedals right, pretty much into the crease, gives him all the room in the world, and he gets to take a slap shot from the top of the face-off circle against a goalie who's five foot eight and wearing smaller equipment than what your kids wear in the driveway these days. And you know, there, there's any number of replays or photos of that from those days where you see Wayne Gretzky just, you know, again winding up full-fledged slap shot, and you can see the net that he can see. And there's just huge, yes. huge chunks of net that are just right there to hit. Versus the modern day, where uh, you know these guys. First of all, nobody cuts over the blue line and takes a slap shot anymore because you you don't have time. By the time you did the wind up, that somebody's right on you right away, uh, and the puck's going the other way. And, and even when you do get a shot off, there's there's three guys blocking the shot. The goaltender is huge. He's six seven. He's wearing sumo uh, inflatable equipment. And there's nothing to shoot at. There's just nothing there. So, the fact that anybody is even in the conversation, is amazing. Yeah. And uh, you know, to get to your bigger question of, well, who's the greatest goal scorer of all time? I mean, it's 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 a fun question to argue about. It's impossible to ever get a real answer. Obviously, you could say Gretzky. You could go back further than that, and go Mike Bossy, and go back even further. You know, Brockett, Richard, or whoever. I, I I still think the most skilled player I've ever seen in my life was Mario Lemieux, yeah. even, even more so than, than Gretzky. Uh, and, and I think if, if Lemieux had played a full career, then he, he's probably the guy that we're talking about chasing instead.
0: One of the but great ones, right? right in there. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's
1: Ovechkin's right in there. And, and look, I mean, part of, you know, Ovechkin has, he's been remarkably durable uh, in his career, which is part of, of being a hockey player he's also missed time to lockouts and all this other stuff. So, you know, who knows he, he should probably even be closer than he is. But the fact that this guy keeps doing it year after year and he's, he's fantastic to watch. He's just a joy to watch as uh, you know, and, and he's a guy that I, I, it obviously took some time, I think for North American fans to maybe warm up to him the way that they should have uh, it, you know, it's, it, Let's be honest. If he was a, if he was a Canadian kid from Saskatchewan playing the style that he played and and as physically as he plays it, he, you know, he the, the we would have been holding parades for him every single year. Uh, and, and it took a little time, I think, for people to adjust to the fact that this Russian kid was coming over and playing like that. But I feel like we got there. I feel like we're we were at the point now where he's he's he is appreciated and and probably at the level that. That he deserves it at least as much as is reasonable during his career, because that's the other thing about sports. We always it's it's always only after somebody's gone that you look back, and go like, "Wow, that guy was was really incredible." And uh, you know, it feels like Ovechkin's getting some of that at least these days, and that's nice to see because he's whether he's better than Gretzky, whether he's better than Mario, uh, he's he's been absolutely head and shoulders the best of his era, and it's and it, he's been the best in the era where it's been the toughest score goals uh that uh, that it's ever been and yeah. so the fact that he's he's gonna take a run at this thing is is pretty jaw-dropping
0: yeah and speaking of you know players that have been kind of right alongside him um I was going to ask you about the Nicholas Backstrom contract, but, you know, I think at this point, you know, it kind of is what it is. It's probably a slight overpay, you know, for a player that's been kind of a long-term and, you know, long-standing Washington capital. I know that in the past, though, you've written about Nicholas Backstrom's Hall of Fame case, and it's something that I'm kind of in the midst of doing my own digging on, and I'm kind of fascinated to see, hear your thoughts about it, you know do you think it's one of those where i think clearly if he were to retire now he would not be you know a hall of famer but do you kind of see the career career trajectory and think he's kind of on that path or do you think you know the lack of individual awards and uh you know that the lack of kind of recognition at at the time you know is going to hurt him
1: yeah i i think he's a borderline case and and i wrote about that fairly recently and and I think most of the feedback I got was pretty much in the same ballpark. Yeah. There were people who thought that, yeah, he is going to make it in, and there's people who thought, no, he's not. I didn't hear from too many people who thought he was an absolute slam dunk, and I didn't hear from too many people who thought there's no chance. Which is which is kind of rare. I mean, the the things mm-hmm. that'll that that'll help him is, you know, you know, if if he's going to presumably play long enough, he's he's going to blow past a thousand points, uh, probably maybe finish 1100 1200 and, and when you talk about guys who play their entire career in the dead puck era that's you know that that's kind of the threshold where even as as an offensive player you uh you're well into consideration uh he is a guy who uh is not viewed as a purely one-way just a point scorer uh he's he's never never won a selkie never come all that close mm-hmm. but he's got a lot of votes which which indicates that he was at least viewed as as a two-way player which will help especially if he winds up kind of as a borderline in terms of the total points uh that that could nudge him over the finish line the 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 things that hurt him are are twofold number 1 he's he was never viewed as the best player on his own team uh mm-hmm. because of Ovechkin because of yeah. the fact Ovechkin was as good as he was which is not that that that's not that doesn't kill your case i mean Malkin's going to get in uh, and and he was he was never considered better than Crosby. We can go down the list of guys, you know, the the Yari Curries and guys like that who just were were never considered head and shoulders on their own team. The the thing that gets me a little bit more and where I think Backstrom runs into a roadblock in my own mind is, you know, my thought is always was this guy ever in the conversation as the best in the league mm-hmm. at this position? And and with Baxter, it's a little it's a little tricky when you're talking about centers. Uh, it, you know, he if he played during the Crosby era and then into the McDavid era, he's never going to be the best center in the league, or yeah. at least not going to be viewed that way for more than the, a few months at a time. And that's fine. Steve Eiserman was never the best center in the league because he would played with Gretzky and Lemieux, and you know that's uh, that's fine. But the thing with with Baxter is he was never even all that close. I, I think he had one year. Where he was like a third team All Star, which there isn't one, but he he finished third in the voting. He's had a couple years where he was borderline top ten for the Hart Trophy, but he never had that year where he was a Hart Trophy finalist or 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 where he won a major award that guys like Malkin and and that do have. Uh, so I I think there is a risk that once once his career is done and he waits the three years, people look back and go, you know what, good player, great player, but. Was he really ever one of the the very best? And and they kind of look back at uh, you know at the lack of awards. And you know what? I, I vote on the awards. We're not perfect at them. Sometimes we we don't give the guys the credit they should get. But uh, I think that'll weigh against him. At the same time, though, we've seen guys recently who who fall into the same boat who have made it in. So yeah. you know that's a long winded way of saying at this point I think he projects towards being. Close to a coin flip, maybe a little better than that, maybe, maybe a little more likely than not. But uh, assuming he continues to be producing at the rate he is, but doesn't have a sudden late career jump to another level, which which would be very rare, yeah. I think he he winds up being borderline.
0: Okay, okay, okay. That's I mean that's kind of roughly where I have him too. Um. So one of the things I know that you're a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, and we got this question in uh, our internal Slack for our our chat is. It seems like right now, you know, the Leafs are kind of going through a bit of an era that Capitals, fans we find familiar um, in terms of having a lot of talent, a lot of offensive talent and kind of, you know, struggling maybe, you know, either in the playoffs or to kind of put it together. So I don't know when you see the Leafs now, do you see a comparison to the kind of young young Capitals of the 2000 or er, uh, early 2010s and kind of 2008 era, or do you kind of see some differences there?
1: Yeah, I mean I I think there are some similarities and and up to and including the fact that I think when you look back at that like 2010-ish caps era it, it with the benefit of hindsight you kind of look at it and go you know what that was a really good team that absolutely yeah. could win the Stanley Cup and and we kind of overreacted to some playoff failure we kind of overreacted to them running I mean especially that that year they they run into Halak he stands on his head for 3 games I mean, that's hockey, you know, yeah. that's it's, but none of us want to say that nobody wants to put all this time and effort into analyzing and enjoying this sport and then go. But if one guy on one team gets super hot for three games, none of it matters and the best team loses. So we kind of yeah. invent all these narratives. And and we had the I mean, the caps are exhibit A of that of in, in the modern era of a team where, uh, you know, it's it's. Like you, you guys have the post on the blog, which I, I still refer back to, yep. saying you know <laughs> the, the what the if year, post, right? Yeah, the year that everything changed and whether it needed to. Yep. And you know the it it's the nice thing for the caps is they sort of talked themselves into making changes that they probably didn't need to make, going down a road they probably didn't need to go down. They they dug their way throughout the other side and and they kind of came back and 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 went through it again with the president's trophy trophy years and losing to the yep. penguins and then finally did get that cup and it it just kind of shows you that um you know it's a lot of times these narratives are just that and and you know in today's NHL and again it's unsatisfying as a fan to say this you can do everything right you can build a dream team and that team can be pretty much as perfect as you can get them you're probably going to go into the playoffs at most having maybe a 20, 25% chance of winning the cup. Yeah, that's it. That that's the best you can do. You look at last year's lightning who are, you know, another team that has sort of done the condensed version of this soul searching and uh, we got to change and maybe we don't, uh, you know, they, they're the yeah. perfect example and, and the caps year after year, good team. And then the year that we wrote them off and went, Oh yeah, this is, they're not going to do it this year. That's the year they finally break through and win.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it, to take it back to the Leafs. Yeah. A lot of similarities. I I do think they're, there is something to be said for young teams needing to learn how to win or how to play in the playoffs. But also some of it is just, you know what, you've you've taken really, really good Boston Bruins teams to Game 7s, and you've had, you know, in one case, went into the third period with a lead. They're right there. And, uh, you know, this idea that if they go and face the Bruins again this year, which they absolutely could, if they lose another close series, that they're going to have to radically rethink things. Uh, You know, there's going to be a ton of pressure to do that and maybe they would end up making major changes. But there is that part of me that just kind of looks at it and looks at the caps and goes, you know, they got their cup and it all worked out in the end. But would they have maybe even got more if they had had the courage to stay the course and say, no, you know what? We ran into a hot goalie. It happens. We're going to keep pushing forward because we believe in this team. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, so one, I, I have Sean McAdoo on, so I have to ask, uh, before we take our break, um, Sean you've ranked uh the you've written about the Washington Capitals and their proclivity to have cheesy uh 1980s and 90s music videos and you have ranked four um or you you've given you've given us detailed analysis yeah, of four I've of them I've broken
1: down four I haven't yes. ranked them because yes. that would be like asking me to rank my children <laughs> like I can't yeah, you know, it okay, just, well, it would if you, be so you difficult. You have to pick one though.
0: Like, I have I have my personal favorite, um and I think it has to be the more uh, just to kind of give people a quick rundown. The ones we're talking about are Double Trouble, more than a team. Capital feeling and out on top uh, a thing that does not make sense. Given the capitals were very much not out on top when they released that music video. Um, but yeah. uh, so I don't know, like I-, I know you just said that it would be like picking between your children, but if there's one video that you would say capital sands just have to watch uh, what do you have? Like a personal favorite of those. No, I mean, you got to watch
1: all of them is yes. the answer. Like if people are listening to this going, Oh, what are they talking about? Like set aside 10, 10- 15 minutes <laughs> and you got to watch them all. And, and you don't have, I don't think you have to watch them in chronological order. There's not really a ton of plot development, uh, but there's uh, no yeah, extended
0: I, universe of, <laughs> except Ron the, the Lineway, one, though,
1: Right. I mean, he's in all yeah, these, I think exactly. He's the one guy. <laughs> he's like the uh, Samuel L. Jackson in the Marvel movies. Like yes. he just shows up in all of these him and, uh, and, and the other and him and Neil Sheehy, which who apparently is patient zero on all this. Yep. Uh, if, uh, because he was on, the Calgary team that that did uh, the you can't touch a flame when it's red hot, and then came over to Washington and the Capitals start doing this. So I'm yep. assuming it's that it's him uh, who's behind. <laughs> and in fact, it is because he's actually listed, I think, as a producer on like a couple of these these songs. Yep. But uh, I, I desperately miss those days where NHL teams would get together and just lip sync. Like it's not even like a Super Bowl Shuffle thing. It's no. like some. Generic studio band would make a very generic rock song with very generic rock lyrics. And then everybody would get together and lip sync it. And it was just, uh, and, and so you have like 15 different players singing a song in the same voice. They're playing instruments that are not in the song. Nope. Like, you know, like there's there's like Dino Cicerelli playing a saxophone and there's no sax in the song anywhere. And it's just, and like some guys are into it. Yep. and you can tell some guys aren't, and some guys are having fun with it, and some guys are like trying to play it serious. And it's just uh, the Leafs made one too. The Leafs like Glenn Anderson write a song for them one year, and uh, I I miss that this this happens, and and I wish we could go back to the era where that you could have this done because I mean some team will do it these days, but it'll all be like super ironic and you know yes. meta and and all of this. Like there was nothing meta about this. Like it's it's just Rod <laughs> Langway rocking out in his sports bar. Uh, and yeah, all these weird, weird titles. And if I had to, I mean, I, I won't pick one, but I, I, I gotta say it to this day cracks me up that the Capitals, given where they went as far as the reputation of the team and, yep. and what we just talked about and being finishing first every year and then flaming out in the playoffs that they wrote a song called out on top yes. is just like <laughs> perfect to me i mean that's that's got to be the the anthem of uh, the pre-2018 capitals if there ever was one yes
0: although i will i also have a soft spot for the like the suit and tie or or the suit and bow tie over the topness of more than a team it's just spectacular yeah i like they had a what a full orchestra in that even though you cannot hear a full orchestra at all in the song it's ridiculous
1: And, like, you can see, like, there's there's some players, like, are literally holding pieces of paper yep. with the lyrics that they're lip-syncing. <laughs> like, just the effort levels are all over the map on this. Uh, and, and I mean, to the fact, I don't remember which one it is, but I, I can't, it's, like, Don Beaupre or one of these guys. Like, you can actually, he's he's got this 10-second clip, and you can actually see him go through these different emotions, like, in this short clip like he starts off like i'm kind of nervous i don't know what i'm doing and then he goes well maybe i'll go for it a bit and then he's like ah that that felt stupid and then he's like no screw it i'm going all out yeah and you just like see it's just this range of emotions that you don't you wouldn't get there's oscar winning performances that don't hit the emotional levels uh up and down of like some some poor washington Capitol getting forced to to do all this stuff. And then meanwhile, like in the background, there's like Scott Stevens who's just too cool for all of this yep. and is like, I'll I'll show up and I'll hold a trumpet, but I'm not I'm not this singing. Is not I'm, in my uh, contract. <laughs> yeah. But then like Peter Zezel like elbows his way to the front yep. and just is is like, oh it's it's fantastic. I uh I I I wake up every day hoping against hope that there's like some secret vault somewhere that's got a few more of these from that team that uh, haven't come out yet.
0: Yep. Well, if there's anyone to find those, it would be you. So, uh, anyways, um, we're gonna take a quick break, and then on the other side, I'm gonna ask Demi- or uh, I'm gonna ask Sean a couple of other uh, questions about the league. So uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. Still here with uh, Sean. And uh, Sean, I want to read to you something that you wrote a, a few months ago, um, and it's something that I think is still pressing it and it's in a thing that you know i i don't know if like people would know to go back to it so you wrote in the bandwagon hoppers guide to the 2019 playoffs about the tampa bay lightning um quote sometimes the best teams should win sure we all love underdogs and upsets but the nhl is getting dangerously close to being a league that where those don't have any meaning because the results just feel random and I think about that quote because I look at the Pacific Division in particular, you know, where you have four teams that are tied at 57 points and then the winner, three points clear, is the Vancouver Canucks. And it's something that, I've kind of struggled with as a hockey fan, you know, of the relative closeness of everything, you know, and whether kind of competitive balance is maybe tipped overboard a little bit. So, I don't know, kind of how do you think about that question? Do you think there's a way that you would, like, you know, is there a way to alleviate that, you know, to show kind of the gaps between these teams? And is is it something the NHL is interested in or not?
1: Well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll answer the last question first because I think that's the easiest yes. one. I, I don't think the NHL is interested. I think they love this. They uh, they bang the drum constantly about uh, uh, how close the standings are, how many teams are still within X points of the playoffs. Gary Bettman has he doesn't say parity, he says competitive balance, but he's made it very clear that he thinks this is uh, very much a feature and not a bug, and and he thinks it's great. And a lot of fans agree with him because uh, you know you you read that quote from the the bandwagon guide, which I wrote just as the playoffs were starting. And sure enough, uh, look what happens to the lightning, right? Sure. They go out in four straight games. And there was that crazy first round where you remember like, you know, that not only the lightning, but the, the, uh, the, well, the, the caps obviously go yep. out to, to the hurricanes, the flames go out, all, all this stuff. And I, I wrote a piece after that first round where I was like, I don't know that this is good for the NHL, that yeah. there's this much chaos. A little bit of chaos is great. Uh, you know, we all love it. We all love those March Madness upsets, but we love those because they don't happen all the time. Yes. Like the number one seed doesn't lose four times every single year. And and if and if the favorites don't win more often than not, then they're not really favorites, and, and what are we doing here? And uh, I got to say, I, I had more feedback to that post than anything I've ever written at The Athletic. And and a lot of it was people agreeing with me, but a lot of it was people who didn't. A lot of it was yeah. people going, "You're crazy! This is awesome! I have no idea what's going to happen on any given night. Uh, it's it's just chaos, and it's it's great. And and give me more. And like I get that, I do get sure. it, um, but I, I sort of view it from from two places. Number one is if if this is all it's going to be, if every year there's going to be like five really bad teams that are trying to be bad and five really good teams and 20 teams that are just in the middle and pretty interchangeable. And when you get to the playoffs, even the five good teams really in a short series aren't any better than any of the other teams. And, and it's just, it, you know, I, on the one hand, yeah, I get it. That's great. It's fun. It's unpredictable. Uh, I, I don't think anyone wants to go back to the 80s where you had the Islanders and then later the Oilers just rolling over everyone every year. And it was, you know, you, you knew who was, you you felt like you knew who was going to win the cup even before the season started. Um, but at the same time, I, I sort of have two issues with it. The first is, you know, as a fan of a team that is just coming out of a rebuild and there's so many teams that are building up, like, what are you building towards? Like, what what are you, when you're making these draft picks and you're going, oh, I wonder if this guy's going to be good. What's our prospect pipeline? Like what trades are we going to make at the deadline? Like, why do we care about this if all we're trying to do is just be one of the 16 teams that has a 1-in-16 chance of winning? Yeah. Like, like what what is the upside here that, you know, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this young Leafs team going, man, there's a few ways this can go, but they could be really good. This could be a great team. What does it mean to be a great team? Like get 110 points, finish first, and then they, that doesn't matter? I, I don't know. Like, I feel like there, there's there got to be something there. A- and the other is, is and I've, I've used this metaphor before, but like – you know, imagine that I I launched a brand new league, and I just called it the uh, the National Coin Flipping League, and we're yeah. just going to have thirty teams, and every night we just flip a coin for who wins and who loses. You know, that would be that league would have amazing parity, and it would be completely unpredictable, and you would never know who's going to win, and any team could be in any other team, and some teams would be good, some teams would have better records than others sure. because that's just how probability works, but those good teams could lose to the bad teams anytime and when we got to the playoffs you'd never have any idea and it would also be completely unwatchable because why would you care it mm-hmm. it would just be random there'd be no reason to to cheer for one team there'd be no reason to invest in it it would just be total chaos and randomness and and that's not fun like the the reason that it's fun when the patriots lose in the playoffs is because the patriots very often don't lose. yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the the reason that it's fun when the Yankees lose, among other things, is that the Yankees are the, the good team more often than not beats the bad team. And so mm-hmm. when the bad team wins, it feels special and it feels unique. And, you know, I, any one of those upsets last year individually, like the Blue Jackets beating the Lightning, yeah, great. That's awesome that a, an eight seed can beat a number one seed. But when it happens, you know, when over all the power card teams again. are yeah. winning and all the number ones are going out and everyone you're just kind of left sitting there going like does any of this feel special does any of it feel like it means anything or does it just feel like like i say we're just we're just throwing a handful of coins up in the air and and then seeing what comes down where and so i mean that's kind of how i view it and i say that understanding and recognizing that to a lot of people a lot of people don't buy that a lot of people say bring on the chaos the more the better and the nhl seems to be on that side too so yeah. maybe i'm in the minority maybe i'm i'm not but, you know, I I think that, uh, you know, and, and Caps fans are probably as well positioned to to understand and appreciate this as anyone that, yeah. you know, at some point, if you're doing everything right and then you just run into the hot goalie for a week, like, uh, I don't know. What are, Shit happens, What are we right? doing? You know, yeah. and, and the answer yeah. for, you know, what can the league do is is not all that much. I mean, obviously, they want parity. We've got a salary cap. We've got this all this stuff. We've got a draft that gives the bad team the good players to the bad team. So there's lots of forces trying to mush everyone into the middle. Um it would certainly help if we could get offense up a little bit because the more sure. goals, the the less randomness. You know, if it's a league where there's five goals every night, then the odds that uh that the the best team wins are are lower than if there was seven goals every night. Sure. Uh, but that that would help. Uh, and, and maybe we just, other than that, we just kind of accept that this is what hockey is and, and it's a game that's played at the margins now and, and luck and bounces play a lot more of a role than we'd like to think. Uh, yeah. and then it's kind of up to you as a fan, whether, when all is said and done and the good teams are out and the bad teams have won, do you just go, yeah, that's hockey. That's how the bounces go. Or do you embrace the narratives about how heart and grit and all this other stuff actually were secretly. Uh, the reason that that uh, the bad teams won and the bad and and as I've had some people tell me they'd say, you know, it's it's not that the bad team the that the best team lost. The best team always wins. The best team <laughs> might not have had the most points. Yeah. But but if they won, you know, the blue jackets were better than the Lightning because they were built for the playoffs or blah 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 or whatever it is. I've I've never I found that
0: it. super convincing. But yeah. yeah,
1: I I don't buy that. To me the Lightning were the better team and and but they didn't win and that's yeah. okay. That happens sometimes. But uh, you know, for for a lot of people, it it kind of feels more like a security blanket to me to say like, no, no, this this is meaningful. This does matter. It's not random. It is random, but you know, obviously, some people uh, believe that uh, a dose of randomness can be can can add to the fun factor and uh you know i'll all are my views but i don't want to be the the person who comes in and tells someone they're wrong for liking the sport the way they like it
0: no that makes sense and i mean as a capital fan i feel like we've kind of been through various eras you know every capital fan you know i think a lot of us were frustrated with the dale hunter uh we all we kind of divisively called it uh coin flip hockey basically because that's like what mm-hmm. he would do and sit alex Ovechkin. you know in third periods and stuff like that and you know i mean it was I like for me at least it was kind of a bummer because you know when you play like that you know it seems like you kind of mitigate a lot of the talent advantages you have which is really what we want to see right you know and so I think for me like you know wanting to see more goals and everything like that I also uh, the other kind of thought I have in this vein is uh, I'm wondering maybe if the three-point system would help a little bit during the regular season maybe you know of like increasing you know the idea with the three-point system being you increase the amount of competitive hockey that would be played so teams don't you know take half of periods yeah. off you know so which that's they my clearly thought do at this point. you know
1: the third third periods are awful these days yes. because everybody's just get y- the point dialing it down which which you yeah. have to right yeah. you know the game's going to magically become worth 50 percent more value in the standings you you got to try to get it there i i i'm all in on the three-point system i would love to see that i think it would help uh to some to some extent and then yeah you're right that if the part of the problem is that. High event hockey is less random in the long run, but we've got a, an entire generation that's been taught that low event hockey is what you should be aiming for, and that that's what wins. And that's you know, and all right, uh, you know, the, when you see a team as talented as the Capitals, uh, and and we've seen it from other teams too that that kind of takes their foot off the gas and says, no, we want to try to win two to one. Uh, well, then, if if a game's going to end up being two to one, it's a lot more likely that the, that a bad team's going to get the two sure. uh, than it is if you try to win seven to four uh, and try to go up and down the ice. Uh, you know, in theory, that's where the skill wins out, but you you lose one playoff series that way, and all of the the two hundred hockey men come crawling out from under their rocks and say, no, nope, you can't win that way. You have to win by playing dull, boring hockey. And there was probably many opportunities early on in the Gary Bettman era to, to put a stop to that and to do what other leagues did, which is say, no, we want to be an offensive skill league. Sure. The NHL didn't do it. And, and you know, we're at the point now where, yeah, I mean, you got Connor McDavid, the best player in the world, and he wasn't even born uh, before the dead puck era started. Yeah. So I I don't know what you do now. I, I really, you know, not, not to be depressing. <laughs> I don't know how you fix that. So, sure. uh, other than just having people like me yelling in the wilderness that maybe these narratives aren't uh, all they're cracked up to be.
0: Sure. And then final question, kind of in this vein a little bit, is there a couple of teams you would say if they go on a run, like, wow, that would be, you know, like maybe that would help or something like, you know, cause I know we're capitals podcast, you know, so maybe are there a couple of teams that are maybe kind of, throwing that system in you know in a little bit you know, and are maybe on the more fun side to watch to where if they went on a run that might help things a little or is there is there a couple of teams out there you kind of have in that vein?
1: yeah, I mean i I think it's it, it's we're probably too far gone at this point to to have one or two runs like that really make a difference. I mean, yeah, certainly, you know, the the Caps are there, but the thing is the Caps wouldn't really change the narrative because we'd all just say, well, they know how to win. Sure. You know, They learned in 2018 and blah, whatever. The Leafs, not to be a homer, would, would probably be an example of that because they're just a team that's getting beaten up all the time as being, you know, they're all offense and they're a bunch of glory boys who just want to get points. And if they went on a run and won the Stanley Cup winning 6-5 to five every night, maybe sure. that would start to shift it. To, you know, Tampa to some extent, but... Again, Tampa, like it, man, it, would be, it broke my heart in October listening to yeah. not not fans and media, but the Lightning Stampers, players and right? Steven Stamkos. Yeah, yeah, we have to change, or it's never. And it's like, dude, like it's it's you're Steven Stamkos, man. <laughs> like you score fifty goals every year, and you're doing this too. And I, I remember a year or two ago, like Jamie Ben was like, we would rather win two one than six five. And it's like, dude, you're Jamie Ben. You won the Art Ross <laughs> and then signed like a nine million dollar contract because of all the points you were scoring. And like even you want to play too. like I get if a yeah. Roman Pollock wants to win two to one, but uh maybe maybe the offensive guy shouldn't uh, but it's it's just so deeply ingrained now in in what the NHL was. Like I I to this day, and, and again this is this is very Homer ish of me, but the the team the teams that started it was everybody points at the 95 Devils. Uh, but I really think it was the 96 Panthers yeah. that, that got to the Stanley Cup final, shut down Mario Lemieux, just clutch and grab and everything. Because the Devils, you couldn't score on the Devils, but the Devils had two Hall of Fame defensemen and sure. a Hall of Fame goalie. You couldn't score on the Panthers, and they were an expansion team. They had Scott Mellenby and you know and a pretty good goaltender, and that was it. And they yeah. just clutched and grabbed and played defense. And as soon as that happened, every owner in the league was like, what are we doing here? Why am I paying all these goal scorers when we could just play Panther hockey? The team that almost could have turned it around was the in '99, in the Leafs, who were a terrible team, had missed the playoffs two years in a row. Pat Quinn shows up, they sign Curtis Joseph, and he's like, you know what? Let Cujo handle the good. Everyone else just try to score. Yeah. And they go and lead the league in goal scoring, even though they don't really have any great players, and they go to the conference finals, but then they lose once they're there. They they run into the in, into Dominic Hassock and the Sabres and they lose. If that team had like won the cup, maybe people go, oh, you know what? It is possible to win in a variety of different ways, and but sure. didn't happen. It, it was defense first all the way, and and like I've I've made this point before. It's it, it, we're at the time of year now where we just kind of finished the NFL season with with coaches getting fired and then coaches getting hired, and it breaks my heart when you see football fans talking about oh should we hire an offensive guy or a defensive guy like an offensive minded coach or a defensive minded coach because I'm old enough I remember when there was such a thing as offensive minded hockey coaches and defensive minded
0: yeah and we had the
1: same conversations and now we don't anymore every single nhl coach is a defensive first coach
0: barry trotz is the model these days right you know
1: yeah barry trotz but everybody like there's yeah. not there's not a single guy where you're like no that guy is an off you know this this guy is the uh you know i don't even like the kyle shanahan sure. i don't even know who who the who it would be uh i guess sean mcveigh like the 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 offensive genius. And he's going to get that team going offensive. Like you, you, it sounds silly to even talk that way about hockey. Of course it's defense. Of course it's got to be two to one. Of course you've got to like play low event, cautious hockey. Uh, And then, you know, you wind up with whatever team wins. We all point and go, ah, yes, clearly the blues (laughs) were the best team last year. Meanwhile, the blues were in game seven overtime and you know, one balance the different way. And they're out, and, and we're all probably talking about how the Blues clearly weren't built to win, and it was actually Dallas. And it just feels like, I don't know, man, I know I'm I'm in the narrative business, but it just feels like we're tacking all this stuff on at the end, and it, it probably wouldn't hold up in a lot of cases to much scrutiny.
0: No, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right, uh, real quick, Super Bowl pick. Who's going to win on Sunday?
1: I'm a 49ers fan, right. so uh, I'm I'm I, you know I'm not a diehard or anything, but uh, I'm I'm a 49ers fan, so I got to stick with them. Okay. Uh, if if anything, just because my kids are gonna uh, roast me if, uh, <laughs> if they lose, yeah.
0: I feel bad. I wasn't gonna ask that originally, but we couldn't quite end the podcast on like that note, right? You know, yeah, gotta, exactly. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta 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 ramp it up a little bit. Uh, I go. That's why I don't get it. invited on podcasts. I just come on and bum <laughs> everyone out. And- yeah. Uh, well, I remember the the old biscuits podcast. You know, I feel like that was uh, you and uh, you and uh, Dave. You know, that was the uh, I, there, there was I think one time where you guys both sighed at the exact same time, and I'm like, yeah, yep. that you know, this is this is perfect. Um, that was it. That yeah. was the
1: vibe we were going for.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Sean, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, plug some stuff. Where can people find your work?
1: Uh, you can find me on the Athletic. Uh, that's that's my exclusive home right now. And if you subscribe, uh, you can find me on their their hockey pages and and go and. Uh, click the little buttons to to follow me so you always see my my stuff if you don't subscribe uh, please consider it uh, the the level of uh, talent and and uh, and and the level of content that they've kind of built on that page not just for for hockey but all the sports any any sport that you're a fan of is is really phenomenal and I know that the the idea of paying for content on the internet is is still uh, kind of Feels weird to a lot of people, but if, if you're ever gonna do it for sports content, now's the time because the athletic is is just it's got fantastic it's stuff. Yeah. I, I was a subscriber long before I started working there and I never never regretted it. And and whether you like my stuff or not, there's there's so many other uh talented people just covering things from every angle and and breaking news. And we just, just finished as you know, the the biggest story in all of baseball right now is Happening because of the athletic, yes. because of the stories that we broke around the cheating scandal in, in Houston. And, uh, you know, if, if you subscribe to the athletic, you were following that in real time. And if you don't, you were reading other people, cutting and pasting reactions to the stuff we were yep. doing. So Absolutely. Uh, consider subscribing and uh, also c- consider uh, grabbing a copy of my book, The Down Goes Brown History of the NHL. Uh, a lot of stuff in there that's uh, that's fun, including a lot of uh, a lot of capitals related stuff. Yes, so, yeah. Um, you you check, talk about the great
0: out. expansion level capitals, the uh, obviously the greatest he, team in NHL history.
1: <laughs> he probably the greatest team to ever celebrate a win by passing a garbage There's can around. Stanley
0: Cup. Yeah, Stanley <laughs> Cup. My favorite anecdote. Uh, also, real quick, I'll vouch for Puck Soup too. I'm a Patreon and all that subscriber. Uh, people should listen to that. It's great. Uh, yeah, and do the do the whole thing with that too. Um, and uh, if you like this podcast, uh, please rate, write, and subscribe us on uh, you know, iTunes and all of that. And uh, stay tuned next week. Uh, it's either going to be a guest or it's going to be me and Adam. So uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Japers Inc. Radio. Uh, and stay tuned.